0: You are now listening to The Gina Lee Nolan Show.
1: Hi, this is Gina Lee Nolan, and welcome to my podcast. Today we have former Eagles guitarist who is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He is a four time Grammy Award winner, a New York Times bestselling author. He and the Eagles have the distinct honor of holding the first and the third biggest selling albums of all time. His new album, American Rock and Roll, is out in April. My good friend, Mr. Don Felder.
0: Well, first of all, Gina, I'd like to thank you for having me on your podcast. It's such a pleasure to be doing this for you, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon.
1: Oh, I can't imagine not doing this again with you, Don, and I thank you so much for being here today. I wanted to ask you, what was your inspiration for this new album?
0: My inspiration uh, for this record was I grew up in the 50s listening to the really embryonic early rock and roll uh, music of Elvis Presley and Billy Holly and just a bunch of players that started off uh, American rock and roll. And every decade, there's been a different kind of source or influence that's came on board. Up and through the '60s, with the uh, Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton, and and just a lot of those bands, the uh, Grateful Dead, that came out of the '60s and into the '70s. And so, I wanted to write a song. Uh, the title song for this record is "American Rock and Roll." Kind of about that evolution and citing the people that were so influential in the development of today's American rock and roll. So I started out, I actually uh, laid out a basic track, which is the music, and then started writing the lyrics and invited people in to play on it kind of in their era. Like I got Mick Fleetwood to come in and play in the very beginning. Of uh, the record, because he just has a very recognizable sound when he plays and feel. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then later, Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers, as the song progresses over the decades, comes in and just with combat boots starts playing really heavy. And (laughs) that's just his style It's sort of the development from a Fleetwood groove to like a a slamming Chad Smith track. And then there's a section in it where I ask uh, Slash, who lives down the street for me, to come in. And play on this one track, uh, and it's even mentions, uh, Axel, Rose, and, uh, Slash in the, uh, Guns N' Roses sections of acknowledgement there. And it was just ironic that he got to play on that. And, uh, it was just a lot of fun. I had a lot of different guest artists come in on this album, but particularly that title track and the concept of that was what inspired me to start this new record.
1: And why do you have, So many of these huge guest artists on this particular project.
0: Well, on my last CD, The Road to Forever, I decided to play everything on this record myself. I played all the guitar parts. I played keyboards, acoustic guitars, talk boxes, mandolin, pedal steel just about everything. Uh, I actually invited a couple of people in. Uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash came in, my buddies, and sang uh, background on a song with me. And I invited one other guitar player, Steve Lukather, who I just loved to death, to come in and do a kind of a harmony duet solo with me. Other than that, I, I had spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours in the studio alone. And it turned out great, but I just... It lacked the excitement of the spontaneity of working with another player and bouncing ideas off of each other and just kind of rising something up together musically. So this record, I decided I was going to bring in a lot of players to just have fun with. Uh, I had Sammy Hagar come in and sing a duet with me on this really powerful kind of stadium rock song. While we were in his studio, Joe Satriani, an amazing guitar player, came walking in to grab a guitar out of his storage in the back of the studio room. I said, hey, Joe, you got to come over here and play on this record. So he grabbed the guitar. <laughs> An hour later, he and I had sat down and written and played these guitar parts that are just spectacular and so much fun to do. And while we were doing that, at the very end of it, Bob Weir came walking in the studio, who's friends with Sammy and has a studio about a block away. And I said, Bob, you got to get on this vocal mic and sing, uh, sing this background chorus part with me. Everybody's singing on it. So Bob went out and sang Rock You on this one song. So literally, just a bunch of coincidences happened on a lot of these songs. Where the right people walked into the studio at the right time, and we made magic out of thin air.
1: That definitely is being in the right place at the right time. And that leads me to my next question as far as what inspired the song American Rock and Roll?
0: There have been so many amazing, unique artists that have gone through the decades from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s that have added to and brought unique characters uh, to the development of rock and roll to know what it is today. If you just listen to it today, unless you understand the history of all the people that have gone before and can recognize and appreciate who they are and how it went from Buddy Holly and Elvis Presley to today with uh, all the great acts that are playing and writing today. Uh, So this song is a, a tip of the hat to all those people that are major contributors and heavy influencers with their writing, their singing, their styles, their Guitar playing ability uh that just have added on to uh the development and growth of rock and roll as we know it today that's what this is american rock and roll
1: and what would we do without rock and roll and that leads me to my next question for you because you know of all of the creative aspects in your career you're you're a writer a recording you know artist a producer and You perform live and you have your entire career. And with all the noise and, you know, the success, what brings you the most joy and happiness?
0: You know, Gina, every single aspect of the creative part of being a musician is a challenge Mm -hmm. Uh, to walk into an empty studio that's dark, completely silent, turn on the power have an idea and breathe life into it and by the end of the day walk out of there with something that's really exciting really musically satisfying and know that you've just created something out of nothing out of thin air that is a just a gift that's so beautiful to have and be able to use over and over and over in the studio uh And yet, when you go out and play those songs live for a live audience and you feel that energy coming back off stage and that appreciation and the excitement they get from what you do, it just brings up a massive amount of dopamine and joy and satisfaction and excitement and love. So it's one doesn't work well without the other. I know guys that are actors that work on film stages where they can take take 17, take 27 until the director gets. It exactly like he wants. Mm-hmm. And then they have to walk out on a Broadway show and do a live show. And the excitement from that live show in front of a real audience is so intense, so much more dramatic than it is on a soundstage like it is in a studio. So Both go hand in hand. I love the whole process, the writing, having an idea, a melody, a line that starts a chorus off and watching it just unfold and blossom into a studio, into a record, rehearse it and go out and playing it live for an audience and feeling their response is just fantastic. I love all aspects of it.
1: It's magic. It truly is. I mean, just the, the whole process. You know, you talk about, you know, the writing of it and putting it all together, recording it and then playing it live. And that must be just from an early age where you got the drive. I, I mean, how did it, how did this start?
0: You know, Gina, when I was 10 years old, I grew up on a dirt road in the deep south in a white clapboard house that my dad and my two granddads built with their own hands. Had a tin roof on it. We didn't have internet. We didn't have iPhones. We didn't have anything really technologically at our disposal. We played with like metal trucks in the dirt, you know, and built forts in the wood. I uh, met this kid that lived across the street, and he had a broken guitar in the top of his closet, and I traded him a handful of cherry bombs for that guitar. Wow. About 15 minutes later, after a lot of explosions, his cherry bombs were gone, but I had this guitar. I fell in love with having to figure out how that thing worked. And I remember sitting on my mom's porch in a metal glider in the south, rocking back and forth and back and forth, trying to figure out how those strings worked and how it made music. Found a couple of people in the neighborhood that showed me how to tune it, a couple of chords, and we didn't have any money to be able to afford lessons and there was no music school in town where I grew up so I just was pretty much self-taught learning to listen to something very carefully and figuring out how it played on the guitar and finally I just fell in love with it it was something that I just became extremely uh, obsessed with passionate about and followed that passion from uh, the North Palmetto fields of uh, Florida up to New York City and starved on the streets of New York City for about a year and a half, uh, learning to improvise and in a jazz fusion band. Finally got tired of that and moved up to Boston where I worked in a recording studio for six days a week making records, playing, writing, arranging, engineering, learning everything about making records. I got paid $50 a week. Now, Today, if you went to a recording school uh, to learn how to do what I learned how to do, you would be paying about $50,000 a semester to go do that. So I think I got a good deal out of that part of it as well. Yes, Uh, I finally moved to LA. I had learned how to make records. Uh, I was playing somewhere between nine and ten hours a day in the studio and stuff in Boston, so my chops were up, able to play really strong. Got to LA and started doing sessions, playing with different groups on the road, Crosby, Nash. Finally uh, got invited to join the Eagles after playing uh, sly guitar on a track called Good Day in Hell. And uh, spent so many decades working with those guys, writing, singing, playing, uh, writing tracks with them, touring... Uh, and I never really did it for the money. I I didn't do it for the fame. I just did it because I absolutely love playing music. I fell in love with it when I was 10 years old. It's been my one mistress that's never betrayed me, always brought me so much love and so much joy, and the fact that I can go out and do this and make so many people happy really makes me really happy too so i think that's what continues to propel me down this road of love of music and that's why i keep doing it
1: well what a journey you know from giving a kid cherry bombs and getting an old guitar uh it's definitely paid off now tell me how a rock and roll hall of famer writes a song Is it the lyrics first and then the melody or the melody and then the lyrics? How does it work?
0: That's a great question, Gina. You know, Music comes to me in many different forms. Sometimes I'll just hear a line. Somebody says something and it sounds like a song title. Or I read something in a book and you kind of get this feeling about something. Then you write a lyric about it. Or I pick up a guitar and I'm just jamming, watching TV and not really thinking about what I'm playing. And then I notice that I'm playing something really cool. And I record a little bit of it on my iPhone or driving down the freeway and all of a sudden I start singing this chorus. So I hit my iPhone and record it and just little bits and pieces come at different times, odd times, right. unexpectedly, but they always coming. So... I've learned over the years to be very attentive to those little gifts that show up. I have to write them down if it's a lyric, or I have to record them on an iPhone, or run into the studio and set up a mic and record a little idea or a groove or a pocket. Because if I don't, they go away. It's like if you had a great dream and very vivid in the middle of the night, and you woke up the next day and you went... What was that dream about? But if you could have written it down or drawn Mm -hmm. pictures about it or whatnot, you would be able to refresh your memory. So I don't let things get away. Gifts that are given to me, I try to memorialize by writing and recording them so that I can go back later when it's time to start writing songs and take those little bits and pieces and go into the studio and blow life into them and fill them out, make them come to life by writing more parts to go with them, more lyrics to go with them. And before you know it, in a couple of days, it's a song. So I don't have any set particular approach or system to writing i just let these little bits and pieces come to me and then i save them and know that some of them might turn out to be really good like hotel california
1: yes i think we're we're all very happy that you saved hotel california it's definitely one of my favorite songs so what's next what's the next project on your horizon
0: You know, that's a great question because it's always a mystery what lies ahead in the music business. I'm obviously going to tour, do a lot of live shows, which I love to do. I've got a lot of promo to do as I have a new album that's coming out April 5th called American Rock and Roll. I'll be doing a lot of uh, television, radio, print, magazine, all that sort of stuff to promote that. But primarily, I'm still setting aside enough time to go back in the studios on my days, quote unquote. Off and try to keep writing for a new project. I have a bunch of other ideas, musically, lyrically, and um, combinations of different concepts and musicians that I want to put together on this next record to do something that's a little abstract, a little different than anything I've done before. Uh, Maybe a, a guitar orchestra piece that has both acoustic guitars, electric guitars, uh, sustained slide guitars, and and write somewhat of a an orchestral piece for guitar. Nice. Uh, just different ideas that I have that I'd really like to work on. So that's what I'll be playing with uh, coming up in the future. Touring, writing, recording. I guess that's the same thing I always do. Anyway, <laughs> that's the plan. And I'm also working with uh, Access TV about doing and developing some television shows that I may be hosting. So stand by for that. That'll be interesting and uh, i hosted a television show back in the mid 80s but this show is really great history of music and so i'm very excited to be involved with access tv doing that i'll be doing a lot of charity work as well playing a lot of shows to raise money for st jude's children's hospital cancer research autism speaks a lot of different worthwhile charities that really need help financially and support wise so that's what i'll be doing in the future
1: I am so happy that you're involved with these charities. It's important that we raise awareness. I do have to ask about the event they're having at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, New York City.
0: Well, the Metropolitan Museum of Art and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland have put together this rock and roll exhibit of all the influential guitars in the history of rock and roll. They're going to have Jimi Hendrix guitars, uh, Keith Richards guitars, Eric Clapton's guitars, Van Halen guitars, B.B. King guitars, all of the really high-end, most influential guitars in the history of rock. Wow. I have been honored by them taking my white double neck guitar that I played for decades on stage, which has been in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for, I don't know, since 98. And they're including that in this uh, display there and at the Met. So, It's just such an honor to be there amongst all the other people that have huge names that have created so many legendary musical pieces of music on those guitars. It's going to be a beautiful exhibit. If anybody happens to be going to New York, I would highly recommend them going by and seeing this. Also, I think after six months, they're going to move that back to the Rock Hall and it will be... That same exhibit, The Most Influential Guitars in the History of Rock, or I think it's called Play It Loud or something, Uh, back at the... uh at the Cleveland Rock Hall. Uh, I think probably six months it'll exhibit at the Met and six months back at the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's just a really delightful honor for me to be soloed out for what I've done and contributed mm. to the history of rock. And i just floored by it. <laughs> anyway, so go see it. I hope you like it. And I've had such a great time doing this with you. And so we have to do this again. All oh, right? for sure. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it. And I'll see you soon.
1: I want to thank Don Felder for being a part of my podcast. It's always interesting to hear the journey from Florida to New York and Boston, and then out to LA. And as they say in Hollywood, the rest is history. Please subscribe to my podcast. We have a ton of incredible guests coming up and a shout out to my engineer, Devin Cody. Also, you can find me on Instagram at Jean Lee Nolan and on Facebook at Thyroid Sexy. And until we meet again, Peace.